Welcome to Sidactic Residency Edition. I am Dr. O, and this is a short episode designed to give you a better understanding of some of the words we use in psychiatry. In the last episode, I promised, or threatened, to get into more of the nitty-gritty of the symptoms of catatonia. Well, like it or not, that's what I'm going to do in this episode. Today, I will focus on mannerisms and stereotypy, two of the potential signs of catatonia. Catatonia can be conceptualized, at least in part, as a movement disorder. People with catatonia have trouble doing things, or do very odd things. That's why clinicians have described the retarded, or akinetic cases, and excited, or hyperkinetic cases. But don't get the impression that these cases are mutually exclusive. You may see in front of you a patient who is posturing, cataleptic with stupor, mutism, and waxy flexibility. See the last episode for those. But the day before, the same patient may have been running around the house, apparently swimming through the air and repeating the phrase, If you want to talk to me, I'll have to ask John, over and over and over again. Catatonia is underdiagnosed and undertreated. Patients are thought to be manic, delirious, or on substances. In fact, they may also be manic or delirious or on substances, and also developing catatonia at the same time. So it should always be on your differential, especially if the assumed delirium is not getting better. Movements are of great diagnostic power in psychiatry. Knowing the difference between tics and compulsions, akesthesia and agitation, psychomotor retardation and Parkinsonism is crucial for identifying the correct diagnosis and treatment. For example, if you mistake hyperactive catatonia for psychotic agitation and give increasing doses of antipsychotics, you are greatly increasing the risk of precipitating neuroleptic malignant syndrome. I'm going to start with two of the hyperkinetic symptoms of catatonia and define them from a neuropsychiatric point of view. Having clear definitions of what a behavior represents in terms of diagnostic signs instead of just vague concepts is the best way to have more valid diagnoses and appropriately treat patients. Let's start with stereotypy. Stereotypy is not a characteristic of some individuals that is generalized to a group. That is a stereotype, which may be the subject of a future podcast. But today we're talking about stereotypy. Stereotypy is a form of purposeless movements. Purposeless means they don't accomplish a task. Like someone who takes a bite of cereal and then throws their head back and gurgles the contents over and over and over again. There is a rhythmic nature to a stereotypy, which means that they repeat themselves in a way that is somewhat predictable. They also repeat themselves in a way that takes up an unexpectedly long amount of time. Imagine that someone is sitting in front of you and twiddling their thumbs. This is not necessarily all that odd, 
But if they continue to do it through a large portion of the interview, then you could classify that as a stereotypy. Other things that may count as stereotypy are rocking back and forth, something I do on my feet during rounds or in a particularly long conversation. But imagine that a patient is in a chair rocking back and forth over and over and over again. Stereotypy is not specific to catatonia. It is present in the general population in mild forms, like your thumb twiddling. But patients with schizophrenia, autism, Tourette's, and many other neuropsychiatric disorders often have higher levels of stereotypy than is expected in the general population. Imagine the pediatric patient with autism who bangs his head. Kids in general have high rates of stereotypy. For stereotypy to be a good diagnostic indicator of catatonia or other pathology, it should be something the patient would not normally do or didn't do before they got sick. For example, a patient is pacing the room with arms folded across their chest and the other arm resting on it with their hand cupping their chin and their index finger tapping their cheek while asking themselves questions and referring to themselves in the third person. You ask their spouse, have they ever done this before? And the spouse replies, no. They are displaying a caricature of a thinking position, and that's odd for them. The repetitive facial movements or pelvic rocking in tardive dyskinesia can also be described as stereotypy, though these may have a different pathology. The keys to pathological stereotypies are that they are odd, purposeless, rhythmic, repetitive, and to some degree predictable. Let me say that again. The keys to pathological stereotypies are that they are odd, purposeless, rhythmic, repetitive, and to some degree predictable. Now let's move on to mannerisms and try to differentiate them from stereotypies. Mannerisms may be similar to stereotypies, but mannerisms are defined as peculiar, purposeful actions that are unique to an individual. A more general word for this is an idiosyncrasy, something that makes an individual unique. It is the manner in which the individual does something that seems odd or peculiar that makes it a mannerism. These are different from stereotypies primarily because mannerisms are purposeful. Stereotypies lack purpose, and like stereotypies, mannerisms are not necessarily pathological. Most people probably butter their toast by moving the spreader from one side of the toast to the other. But what if you saw someone buttering their toast by moving the butter in a spiral from the center? That's odd. Unless that's something that's common in their culture, then that would be a mannerism. It is performing a purposeful action in a strange way that is particular to that individual. If you saw someone 
picking their nose by first lifting their elbow above their head and then reaching down with their fingers upturned to get at their booger, then you're witnessing a mannerism. Mannerisms can also be apparent in how people talk. We all have accents, but these are not necessarily particular to an individual. People often tell me I have a strange accent that they can't quite place. That's because the manner in which I talk is funny. It's a mannerism. A mannerism is more likely pathological if it is odd, even for that individual. If a patient born and raised in Dubai suddenly starts talking in an imitated Texas accent, then this might be a pathological mannerism. No offense to Texas. Or your patient might just be drunk and a fan of Westerns. To summarize, both mannerisms and stereotypies are odd actions. Mannerisms are apparent in the peculiar and individual way in which a person performs some purposeful action. Stereotypies are apparent by the rhythmic and repetitive way someone does something that accomplishes nothing. A hint to whether these are pathological signs is if they're not typical for that individual at baseline. They may be excessive or exaggerated or completely out of character. In the next episode, I'll continue defining the signs of catatonia in gory detail, and at some time I hope to try to pull it all together in understanding how the Bush-Francis catatonia rating scale, or a similar scale, can be a good tool for tracking severity and progress. But that's for a future episode. Until next time, I am Dr. O, and this has been an episode of Sidactic Residency Edition.